1: My name is Randy. I'm one of the pastors here at New Hope. I want to thank you for taking time out of your busy day to spend it here with us as we look to the Lord. You know, back, back when I was 20 years old, I, I, was a, I was a Christian. I was a committed Christian. Um, in fact, I even was going to a, a, a Christian college, an evangelical college, And between my sophomore and my junior year, I took a summer mission trip. I went to Japan, spent two months in Japan where we got to know a lot of Japanese youth. We did some construction work, uh, all kinds of different things. The night before I left, one of my new Japanese friends, his name was Rico. He said, "Uh, could I talk to you? I said, sure, sure, let's talk. So... um, We went, we sat in the living room, and he began to explain to me how his Christian life was a roller coaster, up and down, up and down, up and down. He said, Randy, I'm tired of that life. What can I do? How do I I get beyond that life? I'll be honest with you, I have no idea what I said to him. Because inside I was thinking, dude, that's me. You're describing my life. You can't come to me with that question because I don't have it figured out. Came back from from Japan, went back to school. And that fall at Asbury College, two missionaries had come from Columbia. And they started something brand new. This was 1974, cutting-edge technology. They started a discipleship group. Discipleship inside the church was an unknown term at that time. They asked a group of guys who were getting together for 10 hours a week. Now, that was to be spent... One hour a day in Bible study, so there's seven. Two hours meeting with the group, and then one hour separately with them. In the time that we spent together as a group, they taught us how to study the Bible. And that made all the difference in the world. That roller coaster. It's not that all of a sudden I was on this huge ascent, but. I began kind of an uphill walk at that point. The first book that I studied was a short one. It was the book of Malachi, the last book in the Old Testament, and learned a lot from it. The second book I studied was a long one. Right after Malachi comes Matthew in the New Testament, so I figured, hey, I'll, I'll study Matthew. It was as I was studying Matthew, and as I got to this part that we're going to look at today. That the Lord changed the entire trajectory of my life. Now, I'll come back later on in the sermon. And I'll tell you about that. This morning, we're starting a new sermon series. It's called The Words of Jesus. We're going to come back from time to time over the next couple of years. And we'll come back to the idea of the words of Jesus. You'll notice that the word Words are in red. That's because some of us have Bibles in which Jesus' words are in red. So they kind of stand out for us. That's what we want to focus on. What does Jesus say? What does Jesus teach? So let's take a look at the passage. The first words of Jesus that we're going to study here together comes from the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5. Jesus begins to teach the Sermon on the Mount. Now, this is new stuff. This and the group that he was speaking to, he says things that nobody else has ever said. And so they probably had a question. Is Jesus saying, throw out the Old Testament? Now, the Sermon on the Mount comes pretty early in his ministry. It might be as early as the first few months of his ministry, or it might be about a year into his ministry in what we typically call the year of opposition. We'll find out why in just a little bit. Well, Jesus addresses the question, did he come to throw away the Old Testament? Starting in verse 17, he says, don't misunderstand why I've come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses and of the writings of the prophets. Now, understand what he's saying there. When he talks about Moses and the prophets, he's talking about the entire Old Testament. He's saying, I didn't come to do away with the Old Testament. No. Nope. I came to accomplish their purpose. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. And so, if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you'll be called the least. In the kingdom of God. But anyone who obeys God's law. And teaches them. Will be called
0: great. In the kingdom of God. But. I warn you. Unless your righteousness. Is better. Than the
1: righteousness of the teachers of religious law. And the righteousness of the Pharisees. You'll never enter. The kingdom Of heaven. Okay, Jesus is pretty clear here. He says, I didn't come to uh, throw out the Old Testament, quite the contrary. I came to accomplish the whole reason why the Old Testament was written in the first place. I came to accomplish its purpose. Now, in the sections that follow, Jesus gives six. Examples of how he came to accomplish the purpose of the Old Testament. In verse 21, he begins to teach about anger. Then in verse 27, he talks about adultery. Verse 31, he talks about divorce. Then in 33, he talks about vows. Verse 38, he talks about revenge. And in verse 43, He talks about loving your enemies. Now, in each one of these, Jesus is getting at the law of the Old Testament, but he does so like this. He follows a specific script. In each case, verse 21, he says, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. In verse 27, you have heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery. Verse 31, you have heard that the law says a man can divorce his wife just by giving her a written notice of divorce. Verse 33, you have heard that our ancestors were told, don't break your vows. Verse 38, you have heard that the law says the punishment must match the injury. And then finally in verse 43, You have heard
0: that the law says, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. What Jesus does is he talks about what they've heard
1: about the Old Testament. Now, anytime a New Testament author, and especially Jesus, anytime he actually quotes the Old Testament, he does it with the formula. He says, it is written. He doesn't do that here. He doesn't say it's written. He says, you have heard. Because what Jesus does after he says, you have heard, is he quotes the Old Testament, but he quotes a passage that is misinterpreted by the teachers of the law and the Pharisees. Then each time Jesus says, but I say, verse 22, but I say, verse 28, but I say, the third paragraph, verse 32, but I say, verse 34, but I say, 39, but I say, and then 44, but I say. In each case, he says, you have heard them say this and misinterpret the law this way, but I say this. And when Jesus says, but I say, he quotes the Old Testament too, but he interprets it correctly. And then he goes a step
0: beyond. He makes it personal. He makes it real personal. Jesus goes beyond. He says, I came
1: to accomplish the purpose of the Old Testament law. It's not enough to just read it and then apply it in a way that's comfortable because that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were applying it in a way that was comfortable for themselves. Jesus said, I came to accomplish the purpose of the law. The law cuts deeply. The law changes us. I came so that the law would truly change us. Now over the next six Sundays, we're going to read these six paragraphs. And we're going to talk about each one of these issues. I mentioned when we started out that Matthew chapter 5 changed the course of my life. Now, let me tell you exactly what happened. I was now a junior in college. I was studying math, math secondary education, because I thought that what the Lord wanted me to do was to go overseas as a missionary and teach in an MK school, teach mathematics. Gabe, Amy, hold it down. Hold it down. Don't. I, I know, I know, math, math, right? Well, the Lord had another plan for me. And he showed me when I studied this passage because I read this passage. I saw the way Jesus respected the Old Testament. I saw the way he used the Old Testament. I saw the way that the Old Testament could change the lives of the people around him and how they could change my life. I saw that many people like the Pharisees read the Old Testament, and they saw one thing in it. But Jesus said, your righteousness has to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. Look at it in a different way. And by seeing what God really says in the Old Testament, you can be different. And I looked at my own life, and I saw that I needed that. Linda was, I I finished my senior year. I finished my degree in math secondary ed. Linda had a few more courses to do, so I enrolled in seminary, and I enrolled in Old Testament, and I began to study the Old Testament. By the time she finished, I discovered that with just one more semester, I could actually get a degree. So I went ahead, and I got a degree. Went to Columbia, and within a year, I was teaching in the seminary. I went on to get some further education. Now I studied New Testament. But my focus was the way the Old Testament informs the New Testament. And that's been the story of my life. Looking at comparing the Old Testament to the New Testament, seeing how they relate together, seeing the beauty. One of my... One of the people that I truly admire and trust once said that the Old Testament is like a Peanuts cartoon. How many of you know Charles Schultz, Peanuts cartoon, Charlie Brown, Snoopy? And He said the Old Testament paints pictures. And I looked at it and I said, wow, he's right. I look in the New Testament and I see here's what you're supposed to do. I go to the Old Testament and it shows me people doing it. Or not doing it and paying the price. And that changed everything for me. It changed the
0: course of my life. So you know what? One of the ideas that we can take away this morning
1: is that for us to live, love, and go like Jesus, we need to be serious About learning from the Bible. Not just the Old Testament. The Old and the New Testament together. But if we really want to learn how to live, love, and go like Jesus. We need to become people of the Bible. We need to see how it is that Jesus lived. Now we've got a number of different ways that you can do that. Uh, Next Sunday we're actually starting a new Bible class. That class will take place at 9 a.m. You can come together. Uh, Chris McFall is going to lead that Bible study. It's called New Perspectives, taking a new perspective. Uh, it's, it's going to focus on Jesus. That's not the only Bible study we have. We have women's Bible studies. Karen Beck came up to me after the first service. She said, Randy, May 18th, we have a new Bible study. Guess what we're studying? We're going to study the Sermon on the Mount. So there you go. You want to go deeper? Do that. We have other Bible studies that also meet during the week, meet week uh, uh, week nights. Uh, There's a men's Bible study at 6 a.m. on Wednesday morning. Now, I know that is long before God intended that any of us should get up. But if you wake up at 4 o'clock, go ahead and get dressed, come down here by 6 a.m. and you can study the Bible with the men. There are others, hope groups that are studying the Bible. We're putting digital resources. I'm getting ready to start a study of the book of Ruth. Um, There are all kinds of opportunities. You might also want to get involved in reading through the Bible in a year. We have a little booklet to help you do that. We started that back in January. Next Sunday, right after church, those of us who are doing it, are going to get together and just kind of hang out for about 15 20 minutes. No program. We'll just talk about what the Lord has been doing as we read through the Bible. If you want to come and you're not doing it, come on ahead and start doing it. You don't have to wait till January to start. Pick up one of these booklets. It's out there on the hospitality desk. Start with me first and just start reading through the Bible. The point is Get serious about studying God's word.
0: Learn what it is that He says. Let His word reach out to you. So let's go back to our passage. In
1: this passage, we talked about six different examples that Jesus presents. In these examples, He talks about six different things. He talks about anger,
0: adultery, Divorce, vows, revenge, and enemies.
1: I was talking about relationships. Each one of these deals with how we relate to different people, the people that are around us, our friends, our family, our neighbors, our co-workers. It was as I was getting ready for this sermon that I looked at it and I realized something. You know what? Jesus talks about accomplishing the purpose of the law. Each one of these elements deals
0: with one of the last six commandments anger. Jesus talks about one of the Ten Commandments don't murder.
1: Adultery, he actually goes into detail talking about don't covet. And when he talks about divorce, he brings it back to don't commit adultery. Vows, he's saying don't lie. Now, each one of these, those four, are
0: four, verbatim, four of the last six commandments. Revenge. He's talking about what you do when relationships break down. And the
1: final one, enemies, he talks about a brand new law, a law of love. Now, there are two commandments that he doesn't mention here, don't steal. And the other one is honor your father and your mother. Well, guess what? Chapter six talks about possessions and generosity. In essence, it's Jesus saying, don't steal. Instead, take what you have, give it away. And then in chapter 7, he talks about honoring not just father and mother. He talks about honoring all people in your life who deserve honor. Now this understanding reflects a really good presentation of the Ten Commandments. It's a It's a presentation that most Jews understood. You see, the Ten Commandments were written on two tablets of stone. And by Jewish legend, the first four commandments were written on the left hand, and those all deal with God. The last six commandments were written on the right tablet, and those deal with how we interact with people. So the first four commandments, uh, no other gods, no graven images, don't take the name of the Lord your, your God in vain, and remember the Sabbath. The last six, honor your father and mother, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie, and don't covet. Relationships. Do you remember when the young man came to Jesus and he said uh, this... this uh, comes in the book of Matthew, chapter 22. One of them, an expert in religious law, tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus responds. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. But he goes on. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commands. You see what Jesus does in this section is he takes those two tablets of the Ten Commandments and says the summary
0: is love God and love others. If you do that, if you have trouble remembering the ten, remember two. Love God Love people. If you can do that, you're okay. What Jesus does is he takes these laws, which the Pharisees were taking, and teaching people how to get around them.
1: Jesus said, no, we're not going to try to get around them. We're going to really obey
0: him, But what it boils down to, love God, love people. Do that. Go out and do that. And at the end of this whole passage, Jesus comes back and he summarizes everything in verse 48 by saying
1: something that is absolutely impossible to do. So,
0: you're to be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Well, guess what? I'm 68, soon to be 69, and lo and behold, I ain't there yet. But the problem is, I
1: take the word perfect and I apply a 21st century meaning to that word. And with the 21st century meaning, I'll never get there. But these words were spoken some 2,000 years ago in a different language. In that language, what Jesus actually says when he says, Be perfect, is he uses a word that actually means to be complete. That word occurs 26 times in the New Testament. Nineteen times it's translated perfect. Seven times it's translated mature. Okay, that's a little bit
0: different. Jesus is basically saying, Randy, grow up. It's time for you to live like an adult. It's time for you to stop looking at how you can get around the laws and start doing them. Be mature. Be an adult. Grow up. Live like Jesus wants you to live. Now, looking around, I, I
1: found a translation in the contemporary English version that I really think, gets a hold of what Jesus is actually saying here. The contemporary English version says, Therefore, just as your heavenly Father is complete
0: in showing love to everyone, you too. So you must be complete. Show love like God showed love. What we're saying here, if we want to live, love, and go like Jesus,
1: we need to treat people like God would
0: treat them. We need to learn from Jesus what he would do and do that. That's all he's saying. By doing that, our righteousness
1: greatly exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.